0: But you do need that sort of north star you need you need to know kind of where you're going and and frankly how to apportion and elicit and energize the resources that are going to deliver on that plan and so that's a big part of what we do is how do we use ideas to get people involved in the implementation of the plan
1: welcome to forward with nacy inspiring entrepreneurial action a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together.
2: Welcome to this episode of Forward with NACI. We have a very special guest with us today, Brian Madamore. He is an author. He's an ideation expert. He is an entrepreneur, and he's somebody who has really fallen in love with the potential of community colleges and universities around the country to affect change in innovative ways. So, Brian, thank you for being with us today. You, you do have such an interesting career path. So to get us started, why don't you talk a little bit about your path, you know, maybe some early experiences or people that shaped what you're doing today?
0: Well, I, I've had a bunch of mentors in my life. And frankly, I think it's an important strategy for, for everyone, particularly entrepreneurs, but for everyone. Certainly, my dad was an, uh, a mentor. He was an ad guy, mad, an original madman. And then he went to work for Time Incorporated and created a large research firm. And then I had another uh, mentor, a guy who wrote advertising copy. He taught me how to write, which, you know, even though I went to Dartmouth, I presumably learned to write there. I didn't, <laughs> I hate to say. And then a third mentor was a new products guy. who the, This company had invented Legs Pantyhose. So I had, I, I consciously looked for mentors uh, early on because I think, you know, that's the quickest and best way to learn.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. You've had a lot of Rich experiences, but I've, I've just been impressed with your desire to give back and, and really help communities to affect change. I have to point out too, with the legs pantyhose, I remember the eggs and, and I don't know, this may be an unfair question, but I thought that was kind of brilliant. Like as as a, sort of a, a younger person, you, know, you go to work and you had to wear a suit and you had to wear a dress. What is all of that about? What was the legs egg? Was that just a, a marketing thing? Well,
0: it, it was more than that. It, it frankly upgraded or premiumed up a little bit the notion of uh, pantyhose that were sold in, in supermarkets because they tended to be on the top shelves and low quality and this was a way to have a, a concentrated display right that had an impact on the shopper but also there was an, a sort of an implication of higher quality And so you know I like, like the best ideas you want all the pieces to come together and that was a really good example of all those pieces coming together.
2: Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And even if you think about an egg itself, it's protecting what's inside. So there's a lot to that. And we spent a couple of days with you last week at this ideation workshop, which was amazing that we're going to speak about. But I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your experience of getting connected to community colleges because you shared, uh, you're sort of an Ivy League type person who maybe didn't have community colleges as part of your life experience, how did you get connected to them and where has sort of that connection taken you the last couple of years?
0: Well, I, you know, I've always been a big supporter of, of education, frankly. I, when, when, I, when you sent me some of the pre-questions, Becky, I thought about it and I said, well, you know, early on in my career, I was running a, a, a local cable access TV show called Meet the Inventors for, for middle school kids. And uh, i go in there and teach them how to be inventors. And we had some of the greatest inventors on the planet on that show, because it turns out nobody asks inventors to be on a show <laughs> or, or, or ideation consultants. But uh, with NACI, you know, I would, professors would ask me to give talks. And so I got to know uh, Stuart and Chip Weissmuller, who, um, as, as you well know, have created the Everyday Entrepreneurial Fund. And, and so they became really good friends. They had also read my book, 21 Days to a Big Idea. And asked that I, if I could help, first be a judge for some of their entrepreneurial mm-hmm. contests at Norwalk Community College, but then also in a broader role with you guys, with NACI.
2: Yeah, I've I've learned so much from you, Brian, and I think part of it is you are sharing your experience of formal education. And really what came after that, which was all the learning from other people. And I had that same experience, you know, probably being an overly educated person, <laughs> which sometimes <laughs> can get you stuck in a silo because you feel like you need to use certain language, you need to use certain models. And one of the things that has been so exhilarating for me professionally, but also personally, has also been working with the Wise Millers. So we meet together as a committee, you and them and some faculty members and some other people. And we're, we're trying to look at how do you take different models from different industries and apply them to pressing problems, which is exactly what we did In early June, we had 15 colleges that raised their hand and said, yes, we will fly or drive across the country everywhere from Tennessee to California. We have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. And we're going to learn from the idea guy, uh, (laughs) Brian Matamor, who's written all these fun books to read. They're not textbooks, but they're very easy to apply. So, Maybe begin uh, reflecting, you built the agenda for that program, and I know not all of our listeners are involved in higher ed, but we do have some college presidents and planners and others in the network. How did you approach kind of building an agenda when you knew that you had these people that did not know each other? and that you had a certain amount of time to convey what you'd call techniques. So kind of walk us through the process. What was your thought process and and how did that transpire?
0: Well, one of the foundational principles of all the quote training work we do, for lack of a better term, because we do work with corporate America to train uh, their folks in innovation and ideation processes. One of our foundational tenets that we never, ever from is that we want to do what's called action learning. So we pe- want people to learn the techniques while they're actually generating ideas for real-world problems. So this is not, you know, give me a break, come up with 100 uses for a brick. Who cares? Unless you're in the construction business, I guess. But no, we, we want people to bring real-world challenges to apply the techniques that I'm, I'm teaching or sharing, you know, and get some, some actionable ideas so that they see that this stuff works. It's not theoretical, it's extremely practical. So that was the underlying foundation of the design. And then I worked, as you know, Becky, with the the committee to identify four opportunity areas where we could ideate against or in, silo busting, uh, workforce development, fundraising, and the whole notion of inventing the entrepreneurial college of the future. So that laid out the guts, if you will, or begin to build a structure, a framework you know ultimately, uh, in our day and a half, we went through a dozen different ideation techniques and and I really wanted people to experience a wide range of techniques because you know, frankly, sometimes they don't work. <laughs> you know you want a toolkit. it's a numbers game. And so I wanted everybody to walk away with a you know really a toolkit of techniques that they could use in their jobs. and these are empirically validated techniques. I mean from our work where I've you know I've facilitated, Close to fifteen hundred ideation sessions. You do a couple hundred <laughs> or fifteen hundred. You begin to know what's going to work against different kinds of challenges. And and by the way, those challenges, you know, they could be strategic challenges, right? They could be new product challenges. In this case, they were, you know, style busting and workforce development, et cetera.
2: Yeah, but I mean, really big issues that that colleges are struggling with. Uh, some people that are listening today will know a million students dropped out of college during the last year and a half during the pandemic, that is unthinkable. I mean, I mean that, that goes against what we have seen for a long time. And so I think offering new ways to think about it is important. The other thing I will say too, on one of our calls early on, we were talking about what to name this because one of the things I took away from your workshop is, you know, you got to name something, right? Yeah. You name the baby, you name the project, <laughs> and – You came up with a name for this workshop, which was the joy of discovery. And as I was getting to know this group of 45 people, half of them or more had no idea what they were in for, but it captivated them that we are going to have a joyful experience as we're learning things and we're being authentic with one another and i think that you know for people who are naming whether it's something that you're doing or something that you might want to be creating honoring it in, in that way and letting people know sort of the brand is not going to be you know we're going to be suffering and struggling you know to come uh, to come up with something new so i wanted to kind of congratulate you on the title and i noticed as you started facilitating most of these people had never met one another they were college presidents. They were program directors. They were everything in between. But what I saw is people laughing together. And so maybe speak to us a little bit about how important you think that is for creativity to sort of tap into kind of that sort of childlike spirit or, or just kind of that, that space that we all, maybe we don't know what to call it, but we know it when we're in it. And it allows us to really do amazing things.
0: Well, I, you said it in a wonderful way, Becky, that that childlike experience of making connections, of curiosity, making discoveries. And you know, the ideation processes or coming up with ideas is really pretty simple. You mash up this thing with that thing and you get a new thing. But you know, the, the world of of humor really is a great and I mean it's a creative field, obviously, but it's also a good analog for a lot of the work we do because you're you're making connections between things in surprising and you know unfamiliar ways right or it's familiar things connected in surprising ways you know that's what you do in this and if you're i mean if it's drudgery it's very hard to be surprising right it's very hard to be willing to take a risk to try to say crazy things you know as you know one of the techniques we did was the worst idea technique and then we did the silly idea technique and and all of that is designed to as you said you know get people back to sort of I don't want to call it a childlike innocence because we're not naive in this work in any way, shape or form. But in a way, it is like childlike innocence. You feel you can trust the group enough to share connections that may be crazy. And those will often, frankly, lead to really, really interesting and and occasionally uh, breakthrough ideas.
2: Yeah. And I think the ability to laugh at ourselves. I I know there were a couple of times where you know, this is probably a highly educated group. And some of the things that you'd ask them were relatively simple questions. And I'm sure from your vantage point, you had sort of deer in the headlights. Uh, I think one of your books, like 21 days to a good idea. And you asked the group of people, you know, well, you know, how many days or how many ideas? And everybody just looked at you and then people just burst out laughing because it's such a simple thing, but it kind of breaks the ice. And I think that that was uh, just really profoundly important. So In terms of how your work and working with corporate clients... How do you see that as being different? Because maybe you could talk to us a little bit about your experience teaching at Caltech. Uh, what do you teach and, and who are your students? And how do you apply those learnings to both a corporate audience and, and maybe the, the college constituency that you've been working with more recently?
0: Yeah, it is a great joy to work with Caltech. We've got Nobel Prize-winning scientists to walk around, uh, space shuttle astronauts to get to meet. I mean, it's just such a... And JPL, Jet Propulsion Lab, et cetera, is affiliated with Caltech. So it's a great, great joy. I'm there in the executive education department. So we go out and we work with Corporate America to, to teach them ideation and innovation processes as part of the program work that I do. They've just created a, a joint venture with SHRM, which is the site of U- human resource management. It's their future skills academy. So I recorded a three-hour course for that. And, and behind all this, for me at least, is this goal to really share this 25 years of intellectual property that's been developed, you know, doing a 1,000 ideation sessions or 200 innovation projects because I wanted to have empirically validated stuff. But now I'm at the point in my career and my life where I want to share this and have an even greater impact than my books have. And so that's why, as you know, Becky, we're working to create a course for NACI on the book 21 Days to a Big Idea, et cetera. Because if you give people the tools, my gosh, you know, they are, they're empowered and they can be off and running and, and they can change the world. And and that's what we're doing here. And so, I mean, come on, what's more exciting than that, right?
2: Well, and it really leans into a discussion that we had even a couple of years ago during the pandemic about equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know you had called me and said, uh, you know, give me some books to read. I want to better understand this. And as you think about sort of your journey as you know a professional and the things that you're doing now on the professional side and sort of on the community giving side, it's really teaching people that they have the opportunity to create the life and solutions to their life with techniques that are available to everyone. And But they have to practice them because if we're going to fish, we have to practice casting the line. If we're going to play pickleball, which we were talking a lot about pickleball last week, we got to learn the rules of the game. And I think making these things available to people really has that opportunity to change the world. So I want to thank you so much for the leadership and, and what you do. And you did mention a course. And so one of the things that Nacy is thrilled about this summer is that we have been invited, you, myself, Dr. Eva Bagg, who's the president of Barstow Community College, and another colleague, to co-present together at the Society for College and University Planners. So your part of this is really sharing your thought leadership. So when you reflect on what might be the most applicable to people on college campuses that are sort of charged with coming up with the plan, if you will, not knowing if enrollments are going up or down, not knowing exactly on funding streams, how might they take some of the the techniques that you write about in your book, and really some of your thought leadership to help them do a better job kind of leading a strategic planning effort on their campuses?
0: Yeah, I mean, we just, uh, last summer, we did a the five-year strategic plan for, for TCU. Some of the important principles there is that you want to involve all the, the, the cohorts, if you will, in the strategic planning process, right? So you want the, obviously, the strategic planners, but you want You know, the president and the deans and the faculty and the administrators and the students, and and in some ways, most importantly, you want the community to have input in this because we're we're beyond the point where we're, you know, this isolated entity. We need my bias, and I think you probably agree, Becky, is that you know, there are tremendous opportunities to build, you know, new connections, nexuses with the community. And all the opportunities, I mean, that's all. I mean, you could almost just do an ideation session just on that, because frankly, if you were to do a really good job on that, all these other things would go away, right? Workforce development, fundraising, et cetera, et cetera. If, if we can build stronger connections with the community, both the business community and, and, and uh, families, et cetera, et cetera, you, we're part of the way there. And so that's one thing. This I'll say three things. The other thing is I'm a big believer, and I've written quite a bit about importance of mission, vision, and values, and and using those as sort of the North Star, not a plaque on the wall, but action, figure out ways to make those actionable for everybody involved. That's the kind of, you know, if you will, the starting point. And then in in a sense, the lowest level, but as you know, we often work from the bottom up. I I, I have a quote where I say, you don't innovate by changing the culture, you change the culture by innovating. And so the notion Mm -hmm. is You do want to give people a toolkit of techniques. So, you know, they hear all this mission, vision, values and stuff and strategic and all that kind of stuff. And they say, now, what do we do? And that's (laughs) that's obviously where the techniques come in. And you want to get your team involved and you want those teams to be cross-functional. And you want to start using this stuff. And, you know, frankly, I can guarantee you, and if it doesn't work, give me a call. You start using this stuff, you're going to get ideas, as we saw, frankly, in the last couple of days, right?
2: That's right. And I think what was fun about it, and maybe trying to you know, make a word picture for people who are listening, is that you put pieces of flip chart paper on the wall, and you directed us to write down something. And then as a community, we kind of moved around the room. So we started with a team of three, and then you'd say, take two steps to the right. And then you were commenting on somebody else's issue. So it was having that Fun experience of building on other people's ideas, like you said, mashing things up, mixing things up. So when I think about the planning world, and certainly we will make, once we get your course uh, ready to go for NACI, make it available to all of the planners who are lucky enough to be part of SCUP, which is an amazing organization that might want to learn about this. The advantage is that the techniques really involve everybody. So it's sort of the crazy quilt of the community. It's the community. It's the students. It's the board. It's, it's everybody. And everybody is coming together to really focus on the we. So I have, as our time is winding down, one last question in terms of acceleration, because the pandemic taught us that we can pivot very quickly when we are forced to, right? Colleges had to go online because nobody could go into the classroom. And so it was easier for some than for others. But maybe, Brian, you have a reflection on people that are thinking about, say, strategic planning could be for a college, it could be for their own personal lives. How might they sort of accelerate it, but also get the mindset together that they may have to come back and revisit the plan, which is what we have learned together the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, a plan is an organism in my opinion. You know, it's 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 changing obviously based on the environment. And so in a plan, my view is you want to have five or six foundational strategic areas of opportunity, you want to have the tactics underneath that, but you've built in, you know, the flexibility to adapt. And you know, that's obviously never been more important, right? But you do need that sort of North Star. You need you need to know kind of where you're going and, and frankly, how to apportion and elicit and energize the resources that are going to deliver on that plan. And so that's a big part of what we do is how do we use ideas to get people involved in the implementation of the plan, right? And so that that's the critical thing. And, and by the way, you know, the plan, if it's flexible, you're going to be learning as you implement and you're going to pivot, of course. And, You know, talk about, I'm kind of sick of that word pivot, but a strategic plan must have built into it flexibility and the ability to pivot based on the the conditions and environment you're in. By the way, Becky, I just want to mention that that exercise for the listeners that you're talking about was a triggered brainwalk exercise. We triggered them with customer wishing. Then we also triggered in a fourth rotation, the worst idea and the silly idea. So the point here is you can mash up these techniques to have that sort of great experience. And, and the thing I would say for people who say, yeah, well, this is brainstorming. It's not. There are ideation processes that you stimuli to trigger the brain in very, very different ways. So, so throw out brainstorming and start using ideation. And if you want to learn more about that, just put in, you know, do a Google search of ideation. You know, I'll come up, but other people come up too. And, and you can see some of these techniques we're talking about.
2: Yeah. It struck me too that you're moving because we've all been in brainstorming sessions where you're all sitting there looking at each other. And the the mere fact of moving your body around the room is somehow kind of got people next to each other and kind of interacting with each other. So brainwalking is is a great thing. So I want to thank you so much, Brian, for sharing your your time, talents, and everything else with our listeners. I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to create in the future. And, you know, one takeaway that, that would relate to everybody, as Brian said, is find your North Star, like really think about your values and maybe think about trying something different. Brian, as we close out, maybe just remind us of the titles of a couple of your books so that people that might want to Google it and find them online can do so.
0: Oh, well, thank you for that, Becky. Yeah, there, uh, one is 21 Days to a Big Idea, which we're building the NACI course around. And this has been sort of validated in different colleges around the country. So it's a process that works. I wrote it for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs to, quote, get their, their big idea. And by the way, you do the way you do that is you get a lot of big ideas from which you can choose a really big idea. The other uh, seminal work, I think, is called Idea Stormers. And that's really, you know, everything I've learned in the last 30 years about which techniques to, to use against what kind of challenges. So, you know, if it's a strategic planning challenge, you use questioning techniques if it's new products you use, use metaphorical techniques etc so that's sort of my my master the proactive of a better word that's kind of my master work and that's that's the contribution to the field is which techniques can use against different kinds of challenges
1: so those are two of
0: two of the four or five books i say four or five because i just finished one this morning the, <laughs> i was up all right. night working on disrupting the boardroom is a new book it's coming out on the end
2: of the month. so I'm definitely gonna have to pick that one up. And for a, a man who pulled an all-nighter, you, you certainly were very coherent in uh-huh. our conversation. So thank I thank you for that and thank you for uh, again for everything that you do to make the world a better place. So we uh, encourage our listeners, you know, take what you learned from Brian and, and apply it in your own lives and see what happens. So thank you, everybody, and have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at naci.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership dot